of a fan, a Star Trek podcast. Sorry. (laughs) Hello and welcome to The Measure of a Fan, a Star Trek podcast in which two people who really love Star Trek and this... Why is it so hard? Elliot, your turn. He's Elliot, his name is, and I don't think he's ever seen it before. I don't even know if he's a real guy. You've met him in person. Ah, crisis actor. Anyway, he's never (laughs) seen Star Trek and we try and make him watch it and he's just really honest about how he feels about it. <laughs> and that's what the show is about. And we're currently doing Enterprise because it was somebody's bright idea to do Star Trek chronologically, um, which is, you know, it's, it's fine, I guess. Welcome to The Measure of Fan. Is that it? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah there's, there's Patrick. <laughs> yeah. Hi. Yeah. And James, uh, what's his name? Elliot. Not Patrick. Yeah. <laughs> Measure of a fan. Have you told Woo! him your name yet? Uh, my name's Matt. There we go. Everyone <laughs> who measures the fan. <laughs> <laughs> well, just that's our intro. Yay! I'm so sorry. <laughs> I was going to do my turn, but then he carried on. Yeah, yeah I never show up. That's my thing. <laughs> is it? Okay. Good. What is my thing? Star Trek! I, th- I thought both your things were just Star Trek and nothing else. Oh, yeah. Star Trek is my personality? And that's why my anime scares you so much. <laughs> it does, yeah. <laughs> Imagine if they did anime Star Trek. I reckon they should try that. I'm surprised somebody hasn't, to be honest. Yeah, same. I mean, remember when somebody made that fan-made anime Star Wars short film and it was great? Yep. <laughs> Yeah, and then Disney Plus did a whole load of anime Star Wars films, and they were a mixed bag at best. Yeah, I just remembered <laughs> they even existed. <laughs> yes, I, still fan. I still haven't finished watching them. Um, this week, we are looking at Harbinger, which was a story by Rick Berman and Brandon Braga, but a script by Manny Koto, and it was directed by David Livingston, and it first aired on the 11th of February, 2004, my mum's birthday. Oh, cool. Mm-hmm. My mum's too. Yeah, that's weird. What? Mm. We're not even in 2005 yet. My God. <laughs> hey, this season of Enterprise is legally an adult in the UK now. Yeah, it is, yeah. <laughs> and we open, speaking of adults, on a rather adult situation. Huh? Can, I, can I just say that this is the most erotic episode of Star Trek we've watched yet? Yeah. Lucky yeah. us. <laughs> <laughs> so... We open with Trip doing his neural pressure shit on a lady's foot, and we're all like, oh, Trip and T'Pol are at it again. And then it's not T'Pol. It's some Marine, Corporal Cole. It's a submarine. 
Yeah, it's a submarine <laughs> with feet. Well, we don't know that, but it might be ooh, erotic episode. Measure of a fan. <laughs> How big's the fan? Twelve inches. <laughs> <laughs> Did that sort of go into the old fairy liquid tune at the end? <laughs> uh, it's like uh, it's like something an Orion guy would say. You'd be like, "And my green twelve inches." <laughs> oh, oh no! <laughs> this is going to be one of the silliest episodes yet. <laughs> That's your catchphrase at this point. When when do we jump the silly shark? When do we get too silly? <laughs> It's just a big shark with a clown shoe instead of a tail. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, Tripp's touching another lady's feet and then she kisses him on the face. Yeah, and, like, it cut to her face. And because, like, I don't really, like, recognize... I'm not good with faces. I don't even know this, but something with my vision and my neurodiverse issues. I'm like, Tavol's got long hair. It's like, oh, it's not (laughs) Tavol. Yeah, so Trip's pregnant again. <laughs> yeah. Someone's going to be pregnant by the end of the episode. Uh, it might be Major Hayes. <laughs> oh, yeah, this, they, he does some fucking. Um, <laughs> we'll get to that. So, yeah, we, we, we then get the credits after that unnecessary scene of, of Trip touching a lady's feet. Oh, before we, uh, just on the credits, I was watching it at one and a half speed today, not one and a Ooh. quarter speed. It is bananas. I want you to both as homework, <laughs> next time you watch an episode, rinse through that credit at a speed and a half. It is crazy. <laughs> it's the happy hardcore version of the of, uh, of the Enterprise theme. You've sold me. I've got to do this. <laughs> so Arch is in his room, his ready room, and he, he calls Malcolm in, and Malcolm's like, hey, uh, Major Hayes wants to do some training sessions with the senior staff. And Malcolm's like, oh, this is my whiny bitch episode now. What, this one? Yeah. This whole episode is, is, is more whiny bitch than he's ever been. He is, to be fair. I, Yeah, but that's only because that's the only element of his character they've ever decided to expand upon. Like... They've, they've never done anything with this character except for, oh, I wish I was dead, or, oh, I fucking hate that. <laughs> That's all they've ever done with this character. <laughs> he really loves work. Yeah, I, I basically, yeah. I, I wrote two notes on this scene where Archer says, nope, we're doing these training sessions, and Malcolm goes, eh. And the first one is, this whole scene is basically Archer calling Malcolm a whiny bitch to his face, but using more polite words. And then my next one is just, Malcolm, you're such a prick. <laughs> this is like my permanent Malcolm note, really. Like, if he really likes work, he should be better at it. Uh, the thing is, there are people who have work as their personality because, <laughs> for whatever reason, like their parents really love work. But most people actually aren't that good at what they do. There are lots of things that I, I really like that I'm not very good at. But do you make money at them? I I'm definitely not good at the things I make okay, money out well, of. It's not just that. Do other people's lives depend on your ability to do it consistently? Oh, I've killed so many people. <laughs> yeah, yeah, hundreds of people have literally died because of him. Ding! <laughs> <laughs> so then we go to the bridge, and Travis is like, hey, the stars are moving. 
And Archie goes, well, we're moving. So it might just yeah. be that they appear to be. And he's like, no, no, no. They're actually, they're shifting around. And Archie's like, oh. Billy, what are you talking about? <laughs> and they basically then turn up at what's essentially, it looked like the CGI version of the inside of an arrow at maximum <laughs> magnification. It reminded me of like the blob from the, the remake of the blob. Yeah. It didn't even super look like the blob. It just gave me that impression. Or it looked like tapioca pudding. <laughs> There's a Rick and Morty episode where Jermaine Clement plays a uh, sentient space cloud. Yes. Sings a song that basically looked like a giant version of that character that Jermaine plays. Anyway, it's very bubbly. And T'Pol scans it and he's like, oh, hey, this is a whole convergence of a fuck ton of anomalies. And they go, well, we better leave then. But then Hoshi detects a signal coming from just inside it. And there's a little craft with one life sign aboard it. With one pervert inside it. <laughs> yes. Getting off on this anomaly. Yeah, it's absolutely. <laughs> Most erotic episode yet. <laughs> <laughs> The Eros counter has gone up to two now, two erotic encounters. <laughs> Can we put a sound effect in here? Like, mm, something like that? I don't know. You put an I erotic think you just sound. did it, so. Okay, that's it. That's an erotic sound. Don't make me go and look for erotic sound effects on the internet. Instead, <laughs> just play those, like, royalty free classic cartoon sound effects, like slide whistle into a crash, into a. Ooh, what about. What about. <laughs> Boy, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just going to use YouTube doing it, and then I don't have to Google this shit. <laughs> no, you got to put put a Tom and Jerry scream in. <laughs> nice slide whistle. Yeah. Now do it coming down. So anyway, this guy is like hanging out with his pudding. And then Malcolm fires a grappler at him and pulls him away from his pudding. And he's like, no, my pudding! <laughs> uh, then they get some spatial anomalies on the bridge because they're too close to the thing. And then they back up out of the thing and the anomalies are all gone. Hooray. Yeah, like it like eats the Enterprise's face and the Enterprise's are like, can't breathe, can't breathe. And then it backs up. It was an erotic encounter between the bubbly cloud and the Enterprise. The Enterprise got its safe face sucked. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Ooh. So, you're both going to be doing this all fucking episode now, aren't you? <laughs> oi, oi, Captain. <laughs> <laughs> this is rapidly turning into like um like a radio, an American like radio show. <laughs> yeah. Hey, it's Metro of a Fan in the morning. Red boy in the peach. <laughs> Okay, for a moment I thought you said Rent Boy. And... <laughs> What's that, the fourth erotic thing in this episode? <laughs> I don't think Rent Boys are that erotic. They can be, I guess, if they're good ones. Oh, God. Let's, um... Oh, fuck. I hate this already. <laughs> so, Dr. Flox calls to Paul to sickbay. And he's like, hey, you know that marine lady? And Paul says, yes, I know her. And Flock says, she's been getting headaches, and I think it's because she's been fucking trip. So could yeah. you please tell him to stop fucking her, and could you fuck her instead, and that might fix her headaches. <laughs> she's like, why me? And he's like, well, I'm just here to move the plot along. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, because you're the only one who knows how to fuck in a Vulcan way. <laughs> Show me this earth thing you call love. <laughs> <laughs> 
So, yeah, that's that's where we are. And then we get more sexual tension as Malcolm and Major Hayes are arguing over the training. And Major Hayes is like, let's do these days in the mornings. And Malcolm goes, I want to do training in the evenings. Okay, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Friday. How does 0800 sound? I prefer to train in the evenings. Any reason? You get a better workout. Muscles are looser, reaction time's quicker. How about Tuesdays and Fridays in the morning, Wednesdays in the evening? How about Tuesdays and Fridays in the evenings and Wednesday in the morning? You're not making this very easy. <laughs> I'm not trying to make it difficult. With all due respect, I think that's exactly what you're trying to do. With all due respect? Is that what you call circumventing my authority? I wasn't aware I'd done that. And what did you think you were doing when you went to the captain with this proposal? If I'd come to you first, you'd have turned me down flat. You're probably right. But the decision was mine to make. I didn't mean to deprive you of the opportunity. I think that's exactly what you meant to do. Whatever you might think, sir, my only concern is the successful outcome of this mission. As is mine. Tuesdays and Fridays. In the evenings. I love how... They don't once have sex in this episode, but the eros between them is like magnified against the fact, against even to Paul and Trip, who literally have sex in this episode. Like, <laughs> <laughs> my, my again, I wrote the note. I hate Malcolm in this episode so much, and I got to admit, this season Malcolm hasn't overly bothered me too much. Yeah, I think they they toned him down a little bit. They made him yeah. actually competent at times, but in this fucking episode, yeah, I yeah. do. You know, I mean, this is still yet to come, but I quite enjoyed him. I was glad that he actually could fight and he wasn't just a complete nerd. Yes. Yeah. Anyway, we'll come to that. Yeah. Weird that he can fight, but he can't shoot. Well, he could shoot. It's just a new game, isn't it? Think about when you get like Call of Duty for the first time, you just walk into walls for 20 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, no, no. Do you have Call of Duty in your generation? Oh, yeah, but... I avoid the walls first time every time, Matt. <laughs> he can't shoot anything for shit, but he doesn't walk into the walls. Yeah, that's literally quite accurate. I'm not I'm not very good at first-person shooters. I'm more than happy to admit that. I'm all right, but I've never been like above average in any way, shape, or form. And if they involve a particular amount of skill and precision, yeah, I usually suck at them. But I still think I would do better than Malcolm. I reckon you wouldn't. Um, <laughs> anyway, this year I played Goldeneye on the N64 for the first time, and I want to say that's where first years. person shooters peaked. Oh, yeah, well, I, yeah I it, it. it took me ages to get back into it. I could not remember how to move in that world. <laughs> All those old games are pretty clunky at this point. Well, yeah, and also like that would have been you know I would have been in my late teens, early twenties when I started playing that, so I was probably just high. <laughs> Anyway, they finally agree that some of the training sessions are going to be in the morning and some are going to be in the evening. So, yeah, yeah. I'd say it's compromise, but it's the whiniest, bitchiest compromise I've ever seen. And you know that Malcolm went back to like his room and then he was like, yeah, I'm going to put these into my into my calendar. And then he's like, you know, he's ruined a date that he's made with like Ensign Lusty. I mean, you only get one chance to do it. <laughs> But he won't back down now because, you know, <laughs> weapons are important. <laughs> so then we cut to the launch bay where they've got this pod from the bubbly place in in there. And Malcolm and Trip open it up and they pull like a weird lizardy type dude, but not as lizardy as Zindy lizardy men's. 
and not quite Suleban Lizardy yeah. Men either. Because I thought he was a Suleban when he first came out, but then yeah, then when you look at him, he kind of like had skin like a dry riverbed. Yeah, yeah, very very sort of mixed between yeah, as you say, like dried cracked earth on sort of snake scales. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he was connected to like the inside of this pod via all these wires and electrodes, and it's that very fluorescent wires that they thought would be the future in the early 2000s yeah definitely it was essentially just like uh those weird filament lights you get on like christmas decorations now mm-hmm. yeah or like uh you know those really thin sort of party glow sticks that you put into a ring and you put around your neck or something yeah you, you yeah cr- you crack them and then they light up like it's basically what lighting into in the early 2000s what bubble wrap was to doctor who in the 70s <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what you mean. <laughs> oh yeah, you're too good for Doctor Who now, are you? <laughs> I fucking love Doctor Who. <laughs> so they take the alien to sick bay, and Archer's like, "Hey, Flox, revive him." And Flox is like, "All right." And then we go to the Situation Room, where Tapol's doing readings on the big disturbance, and she says, "Hey, it's it's like exactly in the middle of five spheres." And Archer's like, maybe the spheres are causing the disturbance. And I'm like, didn't we establish quite a few episodes ago that the spheres are causing the anomalies and this shit's going to happen? Yeah. Was Archer listening? I wasn't. Basically, in in a weird way, you are quite like Archer. (laughs) There are a lot of similarities in the way that he performs and the way I perform on this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) I don't prepare. I'm not planned. I get emotional. (laughs) <laughs> Sometimes you just kick a rock. Sometimes yeah. I just I just want to kick the rock. <laughs> the rock is Matt. The <laughs> <laughs> rock is just my opinions. Matt just happens to be where they're aimed. Hey, <laughs> stop kicking your opinions at me. <laughs> stop kicking your anime opinions back at me. They're shattering my my long-standingly, extremely tenderly built love for Japanese cartoons that. I don't even watch in the language they were written in. This just got bleak. Can we just edit this out? Can we edit <laughs> no. in general? No, no. The people need to know the truth. If anything, I'm going to extend the pause in between Elliot finishing and you telling us how bleak it is. <laughs> this is this is great radio. This is such good radio. Like, what happens next? Is it still album? erotic enough for you? And it will be. <laughs> bye, 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 bye. <laughs> <laughs> and speaking of eroticism, we cut to the cargo bay where Major Hay says, now everyone pair off and fuck fight. <laughs> <laughs> fuck fight. It's a new yeah, and then Corporal martial art? Corporal Sex Beam is like smacking Tripp's ass. And, or was it Tripp smacking her? Somebody's ass got smacked. She, she smacks his ass. And then there's... Topol's fighting one of the marine guys and she keeps looking over at Trip doing flirty fighting with Corporal Cole and then every time she does she then nearly kills this guy <laughs> I was very worried about him I want to give a special shout out here to Travis who was an absolute fucking unit and smacked the shit out of that marine until the marine cheated yeah. Yeah, so we have a one to one like in front of everybody to try and say oh hey how well have you learned these moves and Travis lays into this guy. It's a brutal fight. Really holds yeah. his own. It was cool. Yeah. That's why there should be more Travis. He's like nails, man. 
There should be more hand-to-hand combat in the show. Like, all the action is always people behind cover missing shots. That's all the action in the show. This yeah. is cool. Do some hand-to-hand stuff. Yeah, like. go in there. It's like, fight people. Like, give them knuckle testers yeah. or something, yeah. Travis does go down, and he's got a bit of, bit of bleeding in the lip, but he gets up, and he's to the Marine. Oh, good fight, man. Yeah, they shake hands. Everyone's happy. And then Malcolm's like, oh, you nearly hurt that guy. And Major <laughs> Hayes goes, you don't even know his name. And Malcolm goes, that's not the point. <laughs> yeah, he has no idea who he is. <laughs> and I was just like, Malcolm, for fuck, Travis is fine. He clearly didn't give a shit. Can you just stop, you utter bell end? <laughs> He's a real penis in this episode, isn't he? He's really written like just a, a Final Fantasy character. He's just got one thing and he sticks to it and it's his only reaction to every situation is this one element of his character. Oh, they just keep... I know I know this. Like one of those check-ins. Sure, yeah. Is Wait, is that, uh, is that Zelda? Hey, do you no, mean, are... wait. He's talking, I think he's trying to be about a chocobo. Yeah, yeah I'm talking about chocobo. Yeah. Uh, I thought maybe you meant the cuckoos in Zelda, which are basically chickens. So, Oh. I... They're more chickens than chocobos, but yeah. chocobos are the chickens of Final Fantasy, basically. That's true. Like, this is more fun than Star Trek, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> That's confusing chickens. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to start a podcast how I get chickens wrong. Hey, Matt, <laughs> did you know that in the Zelda universe, bats are called keys? I'll take your word for it. No, no word of a lie. No word of what a are lie. crocodiles called? There are no crocodiles. Well, I'll take your word for it. <laughs> <laughs> there are lizard men, though, but they're called Liz Alphos. Okay, back to Star Trek. There are lizard men in Star Trek. They're called various things. <laughs> yeah, they're called whatever the episode decides it. They're called Alien of the Week. <laughs> so, Topol and Trip are working together, and Topol's like, oh, hey, you're spending a lot of time with, with, with that Marine, stop sexing her because it's bad for her head. Because <laughs> you're doing it wrong. <laughs> That's not how you're supposed to do it. You're an amateur and you hurt her. So stop it. Oh no. Oh no, it's breaking down. Walks in and goes, hey, a trip. You might want to give it a rest on the old. I think I need to find two new co-hosts. <laughs> <laughs> Where the fuck are you going to find two willing people? What would you do? Would you start from this point yeah. randomly in oh, season yeah, I'm three? Not, I'm not watching the first two and a half seasons again. Fuck that. <laughs> I mean, A, you're not going to find somebody else whose family so you can make him do whatever you want. B, you're not going to find somebody else whose family you've got kidnapped. <laughs> <laughs> I can kidnap other people. You don't know. <laughs> anyway, that's that's a fun scene. And then Topol goes to Archer and says, yeah, so this guy's pod is made of the same stuff as the spheres. Do you remember those religious fundamentalists we met? And Archer says, yeah, I left them on their devastated planet. That's my favorite thing I've done lately. <laughs> and Topol says, yeah, well, I think maybe their beliefs were based loosely, in fact. And there are these guys who built the spheres that made the expanse. She th- they then think this guy may have been put in the middle of this thing on purpose to try and gauge the effects. Kind of like a, yeah, like a little dude in a... In a barrel or something that's been lowered into a well. I think that's basically where he is, right? Yeah. He's the barrel man. Yeah. Sing us a song, you're the barrel man. 
Or as they point out in the show, maybe slightly more to the point, like a canary in a coal mine. Yeah, that too. There's a really good scene in the show called The Terror, where they lower a dude in a really one of those really old diving suits that's got like the big. That was a fucking helmet. great scene. And it's like really scary. Uh, he's like I working on the ship. I've read the book and it's great. But I still haven't actually seen the series yet. I need to watch it. Really good show. Really good yeah. show. The book is amazing, but it's long. I want to read the book. The first season is amazing. The second season was good, but I think it just couldn't hold a candle to that first season. I didn't know there was a second season. Yeah, the terror, Infamy. It's in the Japanese prison camps and George Takei is in it. Oh, well, oh. They, so they've literally done like an anthology series out of it. Yeah. Uh, okay. Unless it's about an Arctic explorer, exploration ship, I'm literally not interested. no it's about a vengeful Japanese spirit and World War 2 it was good but not as good and I I think it was a bit few too many episodes to be honest I'll probably still check it out worth a watch so in sickbay Archer says to Flox hey wake up the alien and Flox says no he's in pain that would be against ethics and Archer's like no I'm dark Archer now fuck (laughs) ethics and Flox goes oh alright he's rattling uh, cages down at City Hall again isn't he this episode (laughs) It does sort of continue the character growth we've had with Archer. Well, growth or just journey where he is sort of going, I'm just going to do anything I fucking can now. It is a development. He's a growth. <laughs> Parasite on the Enterprise. It would have a viable captain if not for this thing in, <laughs> in the chair. This moron. So then we go to T'Pol's quarters and Corporal Cole arrives and... It's all like, hey, I'm going to do the neuropressure on you. And I was genuinely surprised at how much they didn't over-sexualize this scene. Yeah, yeah. I, I honestly thought that this was going to be saucy. Yeah, and it wasn't. And how nice T'Pol was. I was th- I was imagining T'Pol was going to be a bit more of a sarky bitch for no reason, but actually ended up just being like, okay, whatever. Yeah, it was basically just so T'Pol could learn from this lady that, yes, she is very attracted to Trip. And while she's sort of massaging her back, but it's all close up on their faces. So, yeah, it was fine. Nothing too gratuitous. No. And I thought, oh, well done, Enterprise. And then in about 10 minutes, it really just blew that out of the water. But we're not there yet. So Phlox says to Archer that the alien is dying and, in fact, disintegrating. And each time we see him, he is a bit more dry riverbed than before. Yeah, he... uh... Do you remember that storyline in the Fantastic Four, PJ, where the thing is like hurt and he's losing pieces of himself yeah. over like various issues? He looked like that to me. Yeah, yeah. He was like you could see underneath like some of the bits of rock that had come off of him. Yeah, he's not in a good way. And Flox is like, I can't stop him dying. He's just gonna die, which is nice, I guess. And then we go back to training, and this is where Hayes has set up weapons practice and where Malcolm doesn't do very well, and Major Hayes is like, hey, not bad, not bad, you. We'll put it on a higher level and I'll embarrass you, but not bad, you. Yeah, you bastard. And then it's like, Corporal Cole's got the best score, and she's all like, yes, I fucking have. <laughs> she's banging trips, so she has terrible judgment. <laughs> but good aim. And then we go to the mess hall where... Trip arrives and goes and sits with Malcolm, and he's all like, "Hey, that shooting thing, you you were getting better." And Malcolm's like, "No, shut up! I don't like this. Let's change the subject." Hey, you like to fuck to pole, don't you? 
he's been like gagging to ask this question, hasn't he, for like such a long time. In fact, that's why I think that Malcolm has been relatively toned down in this series because he's been holding back from asking this question. To be fair, once you get past Malcolm being a whiny bitch about Major Hayes in the scene, I actually really enjoyed the him sort of ribbing trip. I yeah, yeah. that that's part of the scene was really good. Yeah, yeah when he when he says, uh, well, when Trip denies that there's anything romantic or you know anything beyond professionalism in the uh, neuro rubbing, whatever the fuck it is that they do. Neuro rubbing. Um, <laughs> the new room. And, and Malcolm calls on calls him on it and goes, oh, okay. Well, in that case, I've got a little bit of a uh, thing on my back down here. And Trip's like, drop it. Yeah. yeah. Eat the whole of my ass, Malcolm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it felt to me like genuine ribbing between friends, that bit, yeah. which yeah. Yeah, I enjoyed. And I think that bit was entirely Manikoto. I, I actually think that, yes, in terms of creation... But it's all about those two guys, you know, they're friends now and like probably in real life. And, and they actually injected some of that real life chemistry into, into what was going yeah. on. Yeah, I think but between the actors and the, the script, not the story, the script, very, very different here. That That's what made that bit of the scene for me. So back in sick bay, the alien guy is saying, no, you got to put me back in my ship and back in the thingy. And Archer's like, nope, I want some answers. And he's like, okay. I'm from a transdimensional realm, I'm a prisoner, and I'm going to die, but i got to do it. And then he puts his hand through Archer, and he's like, whoa! <laughs> Once again, somebody who can walk through walls but doesn't fall through floors. <laughs> well, it felt more like this guy had a little bit more control of it. So yeah, I'll forgive yeah. it on this one. That's fair. So then we get Trip goes to see Topol for their regular neuropressure session, and Corporal Cole comes up and he's like, hey, you're jealous. And it turns out she is a little bit. And then she says, but I know you like me because your clone told me. And he's like, that fucking clone. All right. Yeah, I do like <laughs> you a bit. And then suddenly she's naked and you can see her ass. And it's like, oh, Enterprise. Yeah. Can, can we at this point cut to a clip of uh, open parentheses, shake, 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 close parentheses, shake your booty by Casey and the Sunshine Band? I think I can do that. Apparently, this was the most ass Star Trek had ever shown up to this point. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I mean, I find yeah. it so weird that this is like this scene is like the culmination of like three series of unspoken tension, like just all in one episode. They decide to suddenly go, okay, they're going to talk about it now, and they're both going to like actually talk to each other and hear and say that they like each other, and then they're going to have sex, and then they're going to deny it. Okay. I, I mean, it's 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 reset button. But I, I think it's like, you know, knowing uh, nudge, wink, reset button, and we this is not the last we're going to hear of this. No, it's not. It's no, not. I know it's not the last we're going to hear of it. It's just a weird. I think Topol's behavior in particular is strange to me. I I don't know because I think again, this is this thing with Vulcans is that if it if it you know warrants it for some reason or other they can justify it within you know logic she can do it if she wants to like there's nothing to say she can't go out and bone a human 
And like she said, oh yeah, we've been into, uh, you know, have uh, <laughs> sex with women for a while. Yeah, it just didn't, it didn't feel like experiment, it, it didn't feel like initially she was, because in the end, Anyway, in the next few scenes, she says that that was experimentation. She lets kind of lets trip down. Yeah, he's, she's let she's down by it. Lying to him. Yeah, yeah, I I know, but like, why are you upset? Why do you need to like always tell these Vulcans that no, 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 no? You just you literally just did a thing where you like let your emotions out, and it was good. Don't recess all the, immediately back to no, no, no. Emotions are bad. I'm not going to let anything out. Why do you need to pry them open every time? It's like there's an elastic band on this gate that just it, snaps it, it shut every time. It's because Star Trek creators throughout the ages have never trusted our ability to remember. Or, worse, they know that if they don't bring it up and it's not satisfactory, close back down again, they'll be asked about it in conventions for the rest of time. <laughs> there's also things with Topol that they have seeded already in seasons two and three. Oh, you and bet there is. Going to, and, they're, <laughs> and that are going to pay off down the line as well, that this all feeds into. It's, this is just yeah. a step in the ongoing story of Topol. Okay. That's the mediocre process. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, they've, they've fucked now, so there's more Eros for you. You want to make a sound, Elliot? Um, uh, um, (laughs) (laughs) I think you should have saved that for Malcolm. I couldn't think of any. (laughs) It happens, it's okay. (laughs) So then we go to Sick Bay and the aliens asking Dr. Flox, oh, hey, you're not like everyone else. And Flock is like, well, no, I'm a completely different race. We're from different planets. And the alien's like, oh, yeah, makes sense. Ha ha, I'm up and I'm going to walk through this wall. <laughs> There's been a lot of people who can walk through walls on this show. Yeah, it's it's probably like Rick Berman's fantasy or something. They just, I mean, there's been like, hologram people, I swear there's been like a separate second sort of hologram people, Hoshi became a ghost and walked through walls, <laughs> this guy can walk through walls, couldn't Kruma Daniels walk through walls? If he wanted. <sighs> like, they always do it, and I feel like they're always expecting me to go, whoa, so cool, like I never saw X-Men and they had Shadowcat, like. I'd be more surprised if they had aliens who just walked through the door. Yeah. <laughs> aliens that actually knocked. <laughs> like an alien that like coughed and produced a cube-shaped turd out of its mouth like <laughs> you know, like twice two, two or three times an episode like for a couple of episodes and it's like we have to get these guys off the ship it's weird now those things stink. <laughs> that, that would surprise me but i don't know if i'd enjoy it as much it's more of a lower decks thing i think <laughs> yeah <laughs> anyway as the aliens moving through the ship malcolm and major hayes start fucking oh yeah hardcore to be fair, they, they just start having this big old fight, and they're like, oh, you've hit me, oh, you've hit me, well done, and, and all this. And then it spills out of the fight room, which has a mirror, uh, and onto a corridor, and there's just this random ensign who walks along. He's like, oh, what do I do? They're fighting. And Malcolm's just like, fuck off, we're fighting. And he's like, okay, <laughs> with pleasure. I do like the moment where he turns to him after just tackling Hayes and just goes, as you were, and then immediately like gets tackled with good comedic <laughs> yeah. timing as he says, as you were. I think that what would have really made this scene better is if at the end of it, Major Hayes got knocked into a cart full of manure 
<laughs> I would have thought it would be better if it was like that episode of The Simpsons with Frank Grimes <laughs> gets electrocuted <laughs> tragically. And there's also the bit where there are two crewmen carrying a big pane of glass across one of the corridors. And they- yeah. <laughs> the crewman has just set up his cart full of fruit in the hall. <laughs> I actually really liked it though as a fight scene. I thought it was it great. It. Yeah, it was brutal. Great fight moments, some really good comedic bits in it, and yeah, hell yeah. There was a moment where, like, after they'd initial, it's before they go into the corridor when they're sort of initially just throwing the punches, and then Malcolm takes a couple of punches, and then Malcolm gets the upper hand, and then uh, I think just after Malcolm gets his first like upper hand moment, Hayes turns around and like spin kicks him and it hits his temple and it immediately draws blood and I was like oh damn that could kill yeah, yeah that could kill. definitely killed him <laughs> that was right on the temple I like the bit where Malcolm does some like flip and smack and everything on him and the major goes what the hell was that and Malcolm's like oh I picked up some Klingon fight moves <laughs> <laughs> yeah. does the neck chop he does a double neck chop that was a very Kirk move the neck chop yeah <laughs> yeah but before they can kill each other there's a like a call saying, ah, oh, security, the aliens walking through shit. And they're like, oh, all right. So then they get a couple of other Marines and they've got their guns now, but they can't shoot the alien because the blasts just go through him. And then you get this really fucking weird moment where trips in engineering, shit starts going wrong. So he goes up to the control panel. is like, hey, what's going on? And then you get like the alien's eye view as it runs up to trip and trip turns around and goes, Ugh! and it was, <laughs> yeah. it was such a weird shot. Yeah, it was bizarre. Was it- Trying to be a reference from a film like uh, Predator or something, or Alien. Maybe, maybe, but it didn't work. No, no, it was weird. Uh, but then the alien like puts his hand in the warp core, which is apparently bad. So then Malcolm and Hayes arrive and they reverse the polarity or something on it, which means that then the warp core hurts the alien instead, and everything's fine. Hooray! Yeah, I didn't like I. I was paying more attention to the Malcolm plot in this episode because it was so much easier to follow than this. I wasn't. Yeah, I kind of got what was happening here, but at the same time, I kind of didn't. And I was, um, I was following the erotic plot. In this episode. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, the alien interfacing with the warp core—that was pretty erotic. It was, yeah, it was uh, definitely. Uh, we need a sound. Um, that's the sound. <laughs> <laughs> as he looked like he was fumbling around looking for a contact lens yes that was super erotic so then we get the scene in the mess hall where Trip and T'Pol are like oh eventful night and T'Pol's like yeah there was that alien and Trip goes also we fucked and T'Pol's like yeah remember. but let's pretend that didn't happen and then they give each other coy glances and Trip's like but we can still do the neuro pressure right and she's like Ooh. yeah they're such perverts yeah they're gonna fuck again of course they are. And then Hayes and Malcolm get shouted at by Arthur, and he's like, oh, you guys, you make me so angry. You, oh. And it was, he calls them five-year-olds, and Malcolm says something, he went, I don't want to hear who started it, and it was two kids and Daddy Archer, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. And then somebody messages Archer, and go, like, we've got ice cream, and he's like, okay, and then he just runs out, and then they're both just standing there. <laughs> yeah. I do like Malcolm going, have we been dismissed, or... <laughs> But they say it's settled and everything's fine because they settled it like men and fucked each other. Yeah, they really fucked each other. Yeah. And then we go to sick bay and the alien's disintegrating and Archer's like, tell me what's going on. And he's like, ha ha, when the Zindi destroy Earth, we win. And then he dies. And that's the end. What the fuck? <laughs> Nobody knows. 
Like, what? <laughs> so, this episode was really weird. I thought, honestly, I think it's the combination of a Berman and Braga terrible story with then Manny Cotto doing a really good job on the script, which yeah. created some really good stuff and some really bad stuff all in the same episode. Mm. I, I gotta admit, I kind of enjoyed it just for being a stupid caper with yeah. lots of, you know, nudity. <laughs> Uh, yeah, the the A plot was completely forgettable, but the B and C plot were absolutely hilarious. So yeah, we're done with it. Because <laughs> I got to be honest as well, I, the spheres and that aspect of the expanse are my favourite subplot of the third season. Yeah, at this point, I I think it's much more interesting than the whole Zindi thing, and to actually start getting some answers towards that, I'm like, okay, cool, cool. Yeah, I'm I'm let down whenever they decide to do any sort of, you know, information espionage on the Zindi whole plotline. I'm like, no, we've had like several episodes of that. Further it along, please. Come on, have something happen at this point. As as Doc yeah. said, they're having like between zero and one things happening every every episode, and nothing happened this episode to do with the Zindi plotline. They met someone who said, "You won't do it." But I, I mean, yeah, I, I get what you're saying, but um, yeah, it's the, the whole thing is not tying up. Like, what they need to have been doing is, yeah, like you said, inching along the sphere subplot in a more meaningful way than inching along the Zindi subplot in, in, in a more meaningful way. There's been a lot of like tossing off, isn't there, really, in the series so far? I think that we could have been seeing a little bit more from different perspectives as well in the series. Mm. In general, this episode perfectly entertaining. If you're doing a podcast on it and you're like, you know, you're going to have to discuss it afterwards. If if I was watching this show purely for recreational pleasure, I I wouldn't have enjoyed that episode. I don't think wouldn't have been terrible, but I, I wouldn't have enjoyed it. Like there's nothing special about that that I liked really. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think that's fair. Yeah, it's it was okay. There was bits I liked, but there was also some awful bits. So. Yeah. So, yeah, that's Harbinger, and now we've had Star Trek's first ass. So, is it was it the literal first ass or just the most ass first? Um, because you get like the top. I can't believe we're going into this detail. You get like the top half of her ass, and that was the most literal ass Star Trek had ever shown up to that point. There was never a bit where like Geordie LaForge was bending over and you could see his ass right in it. Yeah. yeah, but ca- canonically, it's the first ass. <laughs> oh, yeah, canonically, it is the yeah, the earliest ass that's ever been seen in Star Trek. Yeah. So, yay, I guess. Who who do you think, just before we finish, who do you think, canonically, out of the Star Trek characters, uh, Patrick, and, and Elliot, two of the ones you know, would show the most ass on... on, on, on I've got an answer to this, like, on a daily basis. It's between two people, but I want to On a daily basis. Yeah. Just on a day-to-day basis, who would just just get their ass out? You mean just for no? Just like you, you, you're near them. You're like Jesus Christ. I can see your ass. I can see the top of your ass again. Put your trousers it's up, you know? really hard for me to say on any crew that isn't Enterprise. To be honest, you could say you could include them. the JJ crew as well if you want to. It's Scotty. Oh well, Kirk from the JJ crew. Like okay, well I'm gonna, doubt, but... I'm gonna say that Patrick, you are more or less correct. I think it, it one of the top two. Ah, uh, Scotty, and I will say the James Dewan Scotty, not the Simon Pegg Scotty. Yeah, Scott, J- James Dewan Scotty, major builders, but 
Yeah, yeah. Canonically, um, Simon Pegg's got, he doesn't have an ass as far as we're aware. But <laughs> you're forgetting probably the most crack that gets shown in Starfleet on a regular basis is Miles O'Brien. Oh, yeah, you're right. Well, no, he's in a jumpsuit, so. But I mean, this is theoretical, you know, like this is when they're not in a jumpsuit, like, and it's done by ratio wise. So if you don't wear a jumpsuit to work, it's built based on day to day ratios. To be fair, he he's the one who's most likely to bend over, and his trousers just rip around the ass, <laughs> or he just lets loose a big fart. He's like, oh, he's a, yeah. a big fart. <laughs> You'll have to correct me if I'm wrong, but from what I get, the impression I get from the way people talk about him, Riker seems likely. Mike is the kind of guy who would like drop his trousers halfway down and go, look, look, look. look. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Riker would intentionally get his ass out, but for accidental, I can see your ass put it away. He'd just smile and say, You ever, you ever seen an ass like that? Like, he'd say something, you know? <laughs> Imagine the biggest ass you ever saw. Yeah. <laughs> so, do we want to say anything more about Harbinger? I think we've said enough. Okay. Garbinger? <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> Come at me, Measure of a fan. <laughs> Our next episode is Doctor's Orders, Elliot. Flock's episode? I'm up for it. Cool. Awesome. Well, join us next week for Doctor's Orders. In Hooray. the meantime, we have been the Measure of a Fan. We have been the least erotic aspect of this erotic episode. Aruga! <laughs> <laughs> Feel free Should to follow us on social media. I think Matt and Elliot could make more noises on there. Uh, if you follow them, they'll, they'll I don't know, they'll write some onomatopoeia for you. That'll be fun. <laughs> yes, we'll just write down, bang, whiz, woo. And next person who donates to our coffee account, link in the description, I'll get one of them to we'll record a noise asses. for you. To se- no, we're not showing our asses, but you will Matt record will show a noise his ass. for them and send it to them. No one's going to donate if you say you'll show them your ass. <laughs> Matt will show you strangers' asses. Oh, God. <laughs> We're going to get sued. <laughs> Take care, everyone. Bye-bye for probably Bye. the last time because we're going to podcast prison. <laughs> <laughs> the bars are digital. <laughs> Bye, everybody. <laughs>